Welcome back to Views from Third Man. For those of you who are first-time listeners, this is a cricket podcast where we look at the events in world cricket from a fan's point of view. And I must confess, I'm very disappointed with the way the Indian tour of England has just ended, with the last Test match being cancelled due to COVID-19 concerns. Now, I completely understand why it's been cancelled because. Keep in mind that these players have been in a bio bubble for a very long time and for them to possibly have to do another 10 days of quarantine especially when some of them are just coming to the end of their bio bubbles for a very long time until India next plays a test match can be very difficult and others might just be fed up of being in England for almost the past 4 months ever since that bio bubble for the world test championship started so i completely understand why the indian players may not have wanted to play the test match they are in fact still human and though they are living the utmost luxury Julius lives in their five star hotels with the best possible facilities after the a full year of being in bio bubbles the mind often tends to give up in a little in that sense and i also think it was a concern for the english players because covid symptoms sometimes take a couple of days to develop so the last thing both sides would have wanted was somebody like a rishabh pant experiencing symptoms after giving a negative test two days after getting tested because then all the english players would also be at risk which could have had career jeopardizing impacts on england on english test cricket and the england players as well so completely understand why the last test match was cancelled i hope it can be that rescheduled for a later time but i don't think that's going to happen uh, i definitely don't think it's the ipl being prioritized over test match cricket this indian team has proven that they will do anything they can to play cricket rahul dravid put forward a team with just five batsmen after covid breakout in this sri lanka bubble um india went to australia and with all of those injuries and all those covid concerns in the brisbane test still went to the gaba and played so i don't think it's t20 cricket being prioritized over test match cricket i just think the schedules don't allow there to be enough time and both boards would want their players to be well prepared for the t20 world cup coming up later this year so that's the last test being cancelled but I think we also must bow down to the times that we live in and say covid you took one test away but we got four absolutely fabulous games the first game in nottingham ended in draw a well fought draw zain really spoiled that result otherwise i do think india would have won that game the famous win at lords then england fighting back at headingley and then india coming back strongly to almost seal the series at the oval i do think the better team will come out on top at the end irrespective of what happens in the fifth test it may happen next year. i do think this is india's series and they've outplayed england so it is virtually a 2-1 i know there's something about a 3-1 that we all long for but we must celebrate what we got because that's really what one should be doing in these very difficult times So if you look at both the sides the one thing i like the most about the way india played was that they always found a way to come back they always found a way to come back from difficult situations and they always had players to do that whether it was mohammad siraj at lords jasprit bumrah at the oval pujara and kohli fighting hard at headingley pujara and rahane at lords kl rahul in the first two test matches and then of course there was rohit sharma with that magnificent 100 at the oval india always found somebody could put their hand up in the big moment and win it for india something that they didn't necessarily have last time india toured england it was kohli with the bat and bumrah with the ball and that was it there was no one else and this time the indian team showed a great amount of resilience what about england you didn't learn anything new with the english cricket team you learned that james anderson is the best bowler they will ever have 
and you learned that Joe Root is going to end up the best English batsman to ever play the game. I mean, Joe Root could have scored runs with a toothbrush in this series. The one concern that people raised about Joe Root was that he wasn't converting his 50s into 100s. And the excuse that was always given was that England's the most difficult place to bat. And given that he's now almost certainly a test match specialist player, it may be wrong for him to say, OK, he's got an 80, well, in any other country would have got 100. And then 2021 happened. First, in the most English way possible, going to Sri Lanka and India and sweeping everything to get runs. And then in this home series, upwards of 550 runs, an average of 93 centuries, a mammoth 180 at Lord's. Joe Root was England in this side. You get Joe Root out, you beat England. You don't get Joe Root out, England win. It was really just that simple for India. And I think as the pressures of captaincy got to Joe Root, India slowly got on top and eventually went on to win the series. A slight concern for India though, and I think that's around the Headingley test and the batting collapse that happened. India is the kind of side that has gone overseas thinking, OK, we have to fight to win. The odds are against us. No one wants us to win. And I think that's the mentality that they've had. They want to be resilient and they desire it. The captain's the kind of player who thrives when his back's against the wall. I mean, Virat Kohli's entire career has been characterized by being good enough to prove people wrong. And that's how he's become the champion player that he is. And I think often the captain's mentality reflects the sides. And though with the Lord's win and the Oval win, you saw an Indian captain genuinely going out there wanting the result. I just think India need to start becoming a little more comfortable with starting favourites. Because especially when India go to South Africa later next year, in early next year in January and December, I think India will start favourites across all three formats over there. And South Africa is a place where Indian batsmen have traditionally struggled. So I just wonder if they'll be if they be able to be mentally comfortable with starting favourites because that's really why they lost that one test in this series. So what about the players? We had some very good individual performances. And I mean, my player of the series is the Lord himself, Shardul Thakur. But the player that surprised me the most was Rohit Sharma. I mean, I saw that interview he did with Dinesh Karthik where he talked about how when he was given the chance to open in Test Match Cricket, he knew it was his final opportunity. And if he coughed this chance up, there would be no coming back for him in Test Match Cricket. And he started off so well as a Test Opener. But if you told me that Rohit Sharma would end as India's highest run scorer in this series, frankly, I wouldn't have been surprised. But if you told me that Rohit Sharma would end with a strike rate of under 40 I would have said, forget the thought, you are crazy. Because Rohit Sharma is not the kind of player who scores at that strike rate. But then this series started and he was leaving the ball very well. He was only playing those close to the body. He'd occasionally step down the ground to the spinners and take the ball on. But Rohit Sharma was doing the hard yards and he wasn't getting the dividends for putting in all of that hard work. And then he finally did. And that innings really won India that test match. 350 runs, an average of 50. I was most surprised by Rohit Sharma, as I was by KL Rahul, someone who you thought would play in the middle order in place of one of Pujara or Rahane if their bad form continued. KL Rahul had to open the batting because his best friend Mayank Agarwal got hit by a bouncer in the nets. It's quite amazing how KL Rahul and Mayank Agarwal have constantly been taking each other's place in the test match side and both seem to be doing well and then tapering off. KL Rahul again started really well with almost 200 runs in the first two tests and then he just tapered off a little bit towards the end ending with a little bit of over 300 runs an average of 40 but KL Rahul constantly looked to be India's best batsman. Maybe he's a little bit prone to that ball coming into his pads but I do think KL Rahul has now found himself at the test match level and India should persist with him.
What about Shardul Thakur? We talked about him earlier, the player of the series. Why is Shardul Thakur the player of the series? His numbers, if you look at them closely, are pretty ordinary. He doesn't have the most wickets. He doesn't have the most runs. But Shardul Thakur is that kind of player who knows, who, who has what it takes to do well when the chips are down. He's the kind of player who thrives in a back-against-the-wall situation, as does Vidar Kohli, as does Mohamed Siraj, as does Ravindra Jadeja. He's that calibre of a player who knows what to do when the chips are down, whether it be the batting at Nottingham and the bowling at Nottingham, be it the Lord's perform, not, not the Lord's, sorry, the oval performance that Shardul Thakur did, getting those two back-to-back 50s, pulling Jimmy Anderson for six, charging down the ground to Ollie Robinson. I mean, Shardul Thakur was playing as if he didn't have a care in the world of what the result because he knew his question and his place in the side was temporary. I absolutely loved watching Shardul Thakur bat. At the end of this series, they called him Lord Shardul Thakur. Lord, they said, very well said. So, what about England? What did England have that was very good in terms of players? I thought Ollie Robinson was definitely the find of the tour for them. And there may be something with Ollie Pope as well with that 80 he got at the Oval. Robinson genuinely looks to be a proper test match bowler who knows how to bowl a good line in length. He knows how to pitch the ball up. He knows how to swing it. He's tall. He hits the deck. He's a Josh Hazelwood kind of bowler. I think he'd be very good for them in the ashes. England may also have found somebody with Ollie Pope who can provide that solidity and that support that Joe Root needs. Because I do think, though he's a naturally gifted batsman, Joe Root may not thrive under captaincy the way somebody like a Kane Williamson does, where I'm not sure how captaincy actually affects his batting numbers. So I think Joe Root needs that little bit of a cushion that Ollie Pope might be able to provide, provide later during the year. But you learned about England that ever since the retirement of Sir Alistair Cook, they haven't been able to find that opening combination. I think Haseeb Hamid is currently their best option, but he's still a work in progress. Rory Burns has shown he's class when he's in and plays well, but it takes a while for him to do that. He needs to be more consistent. There's inconsistency at the top of the order. There's just Joe Root. And without Ben Stokes, without Stuart Broad, without Jofra Archer, without Chris Wokes, they're a very vulnerable side. Wokes came back and bolstered their bowling, but I think later come the ashes this year, if Ben Stokes doesn't make himself available again, England are going to have a big problem because players like Johnny Bairstow, players like Josh Butler, players like Dan Lawrence, players like players like Dominic Sibley just haven't been able to take their opportunities with the bat. Craig Overton is another one like that. And they still don't know who their spinner is. So I think the better side has come out on top. But before we end this particular episode of the podcast, I just want to touch upon the difference between the two sides in terms of their captains because teams are often defined by their leadership. Virat Kohli is now the fourth most successful test captain in cricketing history. And if you look at his batting stats in this particular series, I personally thought he'd take it by storm. Moving ball, difficult conditions, the battle with Jimmy Anderson. Anderson versus Kohli is almost certainly a close chapter. Now, I don't think we're going to see the two greats face off again unless that that last test match gets rescheduled for sometime next year. But I love the way Virat Kohli led India this time. I mean, I thought the last time India had three overseas tours, it would be the test of Kohli, the captain, and Kohli, the batsman. Kohli, the batsman, flourished last time with brilliant performances in both South Africa, England and Australia. But the Indian team just wasn't able to support him. So Kohli, the captain, only won Australia. This time, with already a test victory in Australia, winning against England at home, the final of the World Test Championship, beating England in England, and now a tour of South Africa coming along later this year with the T20 World Cup and the IPL in between. This is the test of Kohli, the captain. 
And so far for the manner in which he led the side at the Oval on the last day where there was no coach available to him and the resilience that he's imbibed in this Indian team, which was on full display at Lords, I think Kohli, the captain, gets a 9 out of 10. With 220 runs in this series, an average of just over 30, I think Kohli, the batsman, is a 5.5. He looked better as and when the series went. And I do think if the last test had been played, he would have ended with about 350-360 runs. I was backing him to do that in the last test. So, a little bit more from Kohli, the batsman. But Kohli, the captain, definitely surprised me in this series. What about his counterpart, Joe Root? I think Joe Root's a bit burdened by captaincy. We mentioned this earlier. He's not the kind of person who takes the captaincy like a Kane Williamson does. It hasn't improved his batting statistics. They've pretty much stayed the same. His conversion rate took a dip and now he's back up because of all the hundreds he's scored. But I don't think Joe Root is a combative enough captain. I don't think he's the kind of captain who looks for the win. He's not the kind of person who tries to force the win in every situation. He's trying more often than not to make sure that his side doesn't lose. And maybe that's to go, and maybe that's to say about the kind of resources that England have at their disposal at the moment. But I think England have a bit of a question with Joe Root, the captain. Joe Root, the batsman, is the best in the world at the moment. So that's all from the podcast on views from Third Man. We're going to be reacting to the Indian T20 squad for the World Cup in the next couple of days. There's a lot of very big decisions that have been made over there. Aditya Huja is coming on for that podcast once again. So I hope you all look forward to that and we'll see you in a couple of days.